Hello once again. Good Monday, Cougar football fans. Welcome back inside the Studio C at BYU TV for another edition of The Coordinator's Corner, brought to you as always by JCW's The Burger Boys. Will the good times keep on rolling for BYU? Four wins in a row, successful senior day, winning home record, and for the second straight year and third time in four years under Kalani Sitake, a bold bid for the Cougars. As we bring in BYU Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes, today we hear, as the good times keep on rolling, a contract extension for the headman. Kalani's extended through 2023. Great news. Yeah, that is great news. Great news for him, great news for us. Uh, for the program, I think he's, he's obviously, I, um, I believe he's the, the right man for the position. I wouldn't be here if I didn't feel like that was the case. And I think he's, he has shown over the past few years that this program is moving in the right direction. And although it, all, it hasn't always been um, perfect, it never is in college football. But I think the steps that we're making are upward. And, um, and I think there are a lot of signs that point to the positives. You know, the, the phrase BYU guy uh, gets mentioned uh, in, in, and for a lot of good reasons relative to Kalani. He truly is what BYU is all about, right? Without question. Um, he obviously represents the school, represents the church, represents the program in the way that it ought to be done. And there's no one that loves this school and this program more than him. And so um, just really happy for him and what this means for him and his family. Maybe a little more uh, about what you just said off the start there, about you wouldn't maybe be here if it weren't. What, what about him? brought you or helped get you back to BYU? Well, I think uh, one thing is just his passion for, for the program and, and his belief that we could right the ship, so to speak. This was coming off of a, um, a season that was historically bad for, for the program and for the offense. And uh, I just felt like the things that, that he said um, helped me see the vision for where the, where the program could go. And obviously, I've been here when the program had been successful, played in this conference when, we, when I was at UTEP, and we played against BYU when BYU was very successful. So I knew the program could be that. Um, but him, him selling me on that, given the era of independence that we're in right now, was, was a big part of me coming here. And then just I felt like that it would be a good fit between he and I and, and a good fit for my family. And, and so it's, it's, uh, it, it was a big part. He was a big part of me coming back. It's a reward for a lot of hard work, and even within this season, right, to get from where you were at 2-4 and four to, to get to bowl eligibility and back to the postseason, too. Yeah, definitely, and, and gratifying. You know, sometimes, sometimes you don't appreciate uh, the wins as much when they, when they come a little bit easier. I mean, mm. I've been on undefeated teams. I've been on teams where we just kind of showed up on Saturdays and won games. I think when you, when you face a moment like we did midseason and then are able to stand up to the challenge and rise up and, and go show what you're made of, it's even more meaningful. And how much was Kalani maybe responsible for that, that turnaround from a, um, maybe a personal standpoint? Well, I think he's responsible for everything. Uh, he's the head coach, and so it, 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 we all follow his lead, and, and certainly the players do as well. And, and um, the fact that he's earned the respect and the, the trust of the staff enough that we were willing to do hmm. the things that, that he felt like needed to take place in order for us to take that next step, I think, speaks to his leadership. All right. Cougs now 6-4 and four after that 42-10 home win over FCS visitor Idaho State on Saturday. Before we get into some particulars, your overall assessment of the game on Saturday. Um, 
We won the game, uh, had a lot of yards, but made a lot of mistakes. The penalties in particular really bother me. Uh, that's something that we actually addressed, I thought, last week fairly well within the team. Um, give credit to Idaho State. They made it very challenging on us. Some of the tactics they employed um, and, and, and used uh, drew us offsides several times. The false starts bothered me the most, but we had um, too many holding penalties as well. And so... Um, that, that is something that we can control, and we will get it fixed. First up, uh, Zach was back. Uh, first start after seven weeks of recovery following that hand injury. He was the starter before he got hurt, and he was the starter when he got healthy. Yeah, and a lot of the, obviously that had to do with Zach and not just what he did that week in practice, but the volume of work that he put together really for a year. And, and then on top of that, um, as we mentioned, the other two guys have been banged up. You know, Jaron wasn't eligible to play. Baylor's foot still banged up. And so um, he, he was without question the best guy for the job and, and um, a little bit rusty at, at times. I felt like there were a couple of plays he'd like to have back, but um, the same could be said about, about us as a whole. So as you note, uh, Baylor Romney was not in the picture for Saturday, uh, rested with Joe Critchlow replacing uh, Zach Wilson late. When did you know you wanted to give uh, or needed to give Baylor that the day off? We were hoping that um, from the beginning of the week. Once we saw Zach throw Monday and Tuesday, we felt like we were probably going to go in that direction. A-Rod felt confident in his ability to throw. Um, and so... With that being said, we wanted to try to rest Baylor as much as possible. Okay, so how do you then describe uh, maybe Baylor's playing status and Jared Hall even coming into this week? Um, hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> hopeful that both of them will be back. And, and I'm certain Baylor will, will probably be back in some capacity. Um, and and Jaron is still improving, so we're hopeful he'll be better. But uh, great numbers from both in, in what they were able to do without Zach Wilson. We've kind of hit on this point a few times in this program, but uh, the depth in the quarterback room is really even underscored when, when Joe comes in. He has a five-for-five five day and man, a bunch of big third-down throws, too, to, to keep the chains moving uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I was really proud of Joe. He, he's a great kid, a great member of our program, a great great part of what we do and, and um, is very active and involved in, in everything from signaling to our meetings to the whole deal. And so... He stepped in and was ready for his moment. Okay, back to the game Saturday for a bit. Uh, first three series with Zach back under center, uh, three punts, and on all three drives, you get off schedule with those penalties, right? Yeah, yeah, Eas easily explainable. We were in position where we were going to have some, some uh, very manageable, if not easy, third downs, and and the penalties just just set us back. But then there were some other things too, a, a couple of miscues that that we could have avoided, um, but. It, it's it's always good when you can make those corrections after a win. You can right. be a little bit harder on the players and raise the expectation level even a little bit more. So we'll, we'll be better for it. Learning in a win beats the alternative. So Austin Lee uh, puts you on the board with a pick six in the first quarter. The only score of the first quarter was, was Austin Lee's. Uh, your fourth drive saw a couple more penalties, but you recovered to score your first TD. Uh, Micah Simon adds a rushing touchdown to his uh, touchdown pass this year and, of course, multiple receiving scores. Yeah, again, another great game for Micah, fitting for it to be on senior day. But, wow, this guy, what, what a versatile player. Uh, the ability to run um, and catch and then, as you mentioned as well, throw. Um, that, there's just not, there's not a, a guy I could be more happy for than Micah and what, what he's been able to do for our offense this year. And uh, Jerem reminded me today that uh, this is the second year in a row you've had a guy with both a with, with a rushing, receiving, and throwing touchdown. Eleven did it last 11 year. Eleven last year, yep, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, versatile guys. Yeah.
So uh, BYU's third TD drive, penalty-free, clinical, and features the uh, one-two punch of Simon and Sione, we'll say. Of the 75 yards on that drive, Micah Simon had 39, and Sione Finau had 33. That's 72 of the 75. Uh, Sione puts you up 21-3. He had a really nice run from 16 yards out. Yeah, Sione, Sione has continued to progress this season. I thought he had a really nice game on Saturday. I thought he was very aggressive um, and, and played physical. You know, he's one of those guys that only weighs about 180 pounds, but he plays much bigger. Yeah. And just he's got a big heart and a really tough kid. And so um, just really excited about how, how this back half of the season has turned out for him. Nice cuts there on the touchdown drive, right? Yeah, he did a great job. Good blocking as well. Um, but... Uh, he has he has good vision and he's continued to get better and better as this season has progressed. You see him there stretching the point of attack, forcing the defense over the top, and then getting behind a nice block there behind uh, Chandon and Blake. It's an interesting point you bring up about is about his weight because yeah, I, I, I picture him as a bigger guy. Yeah, the way he runs, he, play, he plays bigger than he is, and that says yeah. something about his heart and his toughness. Special teams helped to block a punt. Uh, you're up 28-3 at the break. The game's in hand. Uh, you head to the locker room feeling what about the first half? Um, glad that we're up 28-3, frustrated that we hadn't scored more points. And, uh, and we talked about that at halftime and talked about the fact that um, we just had, had probably um, put ourselves in position, and really most of it the first quarter. We had four, four false starts, or three in the first quarter and one, I think, the first or second play of the second quarter got most of that behind us and kind of settled in and so I was glad at least we were beginning to settle in and uh, and find a little bit of rhythm particularly with the run game all right when we come back Talon and Tonga help uh, finish off Idaho State and we identify coach Grimes offensive player of the game from the 42-10 home win over Idaho State as we take this brief break reminder about BYU football with Kalani Sitake tomorrow night 8 30 Eastern 5 30 Pacific on the BYU TV app you can watch it again Wednesday at 1 Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on BYU-TV. This is The Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's, The Burger Boys. We're back with more from Studio C right after this. Second wide receiver right, the handoff to you now. He's the only feet now, 15, 10, 5, and he's going in! Swallowing his way downfield into the end zone. Sione Finau, the Cougars go up 20-3 with a PAT pending. We are back on the coordinator's corner with BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. BYU now 6-4 and four headed to the Hawaii, uh, Hawaii Bowl, the SoFi Hawaii Bowl, after Saturday's 42-10 handling of Idaho State. It was a game BYU led to 28-3 at halftime. Once the Cougars scored twice in the third quarter, it was essentially all over, and the scores come on a Talon Shumway layout at the goal line and a Kairos Tonga rumble in from just outside uh, the goal line. First, uh, what a great day for Talon. Uh, he has two touchdowns on the day and kind of paid off all the things you said about him on this show here last week. Yeah, again, just similar to what I said about, about, about Micah. Just an unbelievable kid, gives so much to the program. There's no one that works harder than he does every day in practice. He's the first guy out on the field. And um, that, that play we just saw by Sione scoring, you saw him making a great block downfield. Um, but for, for a guy to uh, give what he's given to this program the last few years, to have that kind of uh, finish for his senior day, really, really happy for him. 
And uh, back in the day, a, a noted high school hoopster, and he showed some hops on the first play from the goal line, getting up and getting it. Yeah, A-Rod and I were talking about it this morning. We just got to keep throwing more balls up to him. In the meantime, the Kairos Tonga touchdown was special. Uh, so special that it earned a celebration penalty on this one. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> As I've said before, I can't take credit for it. The, right. Uh, the scrum, the it was scrum, scrum deal, formation, yeah. yeah. It, uh, Coach Lamb and Kalani uh, did a great job just having this thing ready to go and kind of a cool moment for Kairos. But you saw the entire team uh, celebrate with him, uh, maybe a little more than we should have there. Too many members of the entire team. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that tells you a little bit about, about the kind of kid that he is. To have, to have the team want to celebrate with him like that, I think, says something about him. That was a neat moment. Uh, so the score after three quarters in this game was the final score, 42-10 in Jordan's <coughs> favorite. The only question was when you would go uh, to the backup quarterback, and that answer comes in the fourth quarter. Uh, Zach Wilson throws a pick on his last touch, I think, and then you bring in Joe, and it was Joe the rest of the way. So relative to workload and how much he played as opposed to what you wanted him to play, how did it all go play out that way for Zach? I think it went about the way that, that we hoped it would. We, we hoped that we would give him an opportunity to kind of get back in rhythm and, and get back in, in uh, synthesis with the receivers. And uh, I think we made a step in that direction and then were able to keep, we were able to keep Baylor off the field and rest his foot as we talked about earlier. So, um, I think it was what we hoped for. So that's how he finishes stat-wise. 19 of 31, buck 87, two touchdowns and a pick. For his first game back, considering seven weeks away, you know, you know, probably some rust involved. How would you say he did all those things considered? Yeah, I would say all those things considered, not bad. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a competitive kid, and so nobody um, expects more of themselves than, than Zach does. And so, like I said, I'm sure he... Wishes he had a couple of plays back, but he made a lot of nice throws and some really good decisions at times, too, on, on things like options and RPOs, some things that go unnoticed he did a nice job with. And Joe keeping himself ready all season. Uh, what more can you add about that? Yeah, he's a like I said, he's a, Joe's a great a great uh, kid and and has plenty of ability himself. He's very involved on the sidelines. He's one of our top signalers, and so he's always involved in the game. He's always involved in the game plan. Has good suggestions. Really a, an excellent student of the game and a good mind. And as you see right there, obviously a good arm too. So. Um, again, we're, we're blessed to have some good quarterbacks, and Joe's one of those. He's got FBS wins under his belt at this level, too, as well. Uh, what, what a deep room. Without getting into tactical particulars, how, how do you like to run your signaling uh, on the side? Because there are more, more than, there's more than one guy involved, right? Yeah, so we always have several guys down there. Some are live, some are dummies, and then we've got other things. We've got flashcards that we hold up that mean certain things, and so all, it's a combination of all of those things, but Joe is always right in the middle of it. So in contrast to the old days of the quote-unquote, there's a clipboard holder, there's more than that going on with backup quarterbacks. Yeah, there's a lot going on during yeah. the game with those guys. So uh, BYU ends the day with 245 passing yards, giving BYU 200-plus passing yards in every game this season. Now, 200 may not seem like a huge number, but the last season in which BYU had 200-plus in every game was 2008. One of those Max Hall, you know, prolific teams. Uh, points will always trump yards, of course, but the passing game is producing on a really consistent basis right now. Yeah, and it, it, you know, I think um, it's been really a credit to a number of different things. Certainly, um, A-Rod and Fessy and their, their development of the passing game and their coaching of their players, um, as well as Steve with the tight ends and A.J. with the running backs. But um, 
I think it speaks volumes to our our receivers. We've we've talked about the quarterbacks a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously with the play of three different four, now four different guys there, um, that that's impressive. But again, I got to go back to our receivers. The number of balls that they've dropped, um, almost almost none, and uh, their consistency. Um, but throwing the ball just like running the ball is a team e- uh, effort, and I think when when uh, when we're functioning well and we're throwing the football, then it gives us the option to run it and throw it. And when we have that kind of balance, I think that's when we're at our best. Okay, now let's get to an offensive player of the game or players of the game for you from Idaho State. Yeah, Micah uh, obviously had a great day with with his catches, the receiving yards, and and uh, touchdown on the jet sweep down there on about the 10-yard line. Um, but then uh, Sione Finau as well had 16 rushes for 102 yards and a touchdown, a couple of catches for 22 yards. Um, both of those guys did so well, we just couldn't count either one out, hmm. so we made them co-players of the game. And it's BYU's first uh, century mark game from a player since the uh, Potato Bowl last year. Riley Burt went for 100-plus in that one. He hadn't had one since. That seems like 10 years ago. <laughs> Doesn't it? That, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah. It has been running back by committee. It has been. A large part of this year. Um, but this, this last week, with even another player out, most of yeah. the workload fell on Sione, and, and he certainly responded. Yeah, and that player's Lopini, right? No yeah. Lopini Katoa this past week yeah. for you. Yeah, another guy we're hopeful we're hopeful with uh, his return this week. Yeah, and there's actually uh, Lopini and Aleva were both guys you were probably counting on, or mm-hmm. at least hoping for, and didn't have either one. So Yeah. Uh, 42-10 home win over Idaho State means bowl eligibility for a second straight season. Not just eligibility, but already the invitation. Uh, the Cougars have accepted the Hawaii Bowl invite, and now you all have uh, travel and holiday and work plans for Christmas week. That's good to know this far <laughs> in advance, for sure. Um, and, you know, I think everyone's excited about an opportunity, and that's certainly better than some places that you can spend your, your uh, week prior to Christmas. So, yeah, we're, we're excited about it. What is it, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of a uh, perhaps a cliched question, but uh, for the program, just to say you're a bowling team every year, how important is it to kind of continue to roll that out there? Yeah, I, I think in order to fully understand that, you have to feel like what it feels like to not be in a bowl game. And that's a terrible feeling, mm. to be sitting at home when everyone else is playing in a bowl game, uh, watching from your couch, to not have those practices. We as coaches always talk about the practices for a bowl game being like another spring ball. Um, but that's that's the way it should be at, at BYU. And so when you miss one, um, you're, you're really missing something that's important to the continued development of your program. Yeah, you personally probably have a pretty good postseason streak going, don't you? Um, yeah, I'd have to go back to yeah. Harvard. Yeah. So you've gotten used to it. <laughs> in a happy spoiled, way, in a happy spoiled, way, yeah. yeah. So uh, from two and four and all those quarterback injuries and running back injuries well, and offensive line injuries uh, to six and four and now planning for the postseason, what do you think brought it all together? I, I think um, a certain grit, um, willingness to, to work together, to, to just continue fighting and pushing and I think we realized in those two losses to Toledo and South Florida um, that we hadn't played our best, but we realized we were right on. We were right there. You know, it wasn't that we. That, and I'm speaking from an offensive standpoint. It wasn't that we weren't gaining yards. We had yards in both of those games. South Florida, one of our highest yardage outputs of the season, um, but we weren't making some of the crucial plays when they mattered the most, and that we had to take advantage of those opportunities. 
and um, I think uh, a sense of desperation. Um, and and I, I got to give a lot of credit to the players. I've been on a number of teams at that point where the coaches lost the players and where the players just said, uh, you know what, this isn't really working out, and they became selfish and, and um, turned inward and began to focus on their own agendas rather than being willing to do what was best for the team all the time and, and our kids didn't do that and that speak, I think that speaks volumes towards Kalani's leadership and towards uh, the kind of players we have in our locker room. All right, great description of how it all did come together. Thank you, Jeff. Break time and a reminder that uh, dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. Coming up Saturday, it is BYU at UMass from Amherst. BYU radio coverage begins with Cougar pregame live at 10 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Mountain, 7 a.m. Pacific. Man, that's early. The kick at noon Eastern. 9 Pacific on BYU Radio. Coming up next, our final segment with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. You're in the coordinator's corner. We're brought to you, as always, by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Struck claps the hands. Pulls it away from Rango. Throws on the in. Tipped up. Picked off by Austin Lee. 20, 15, 10-5. Touchdown, Austin Lee. The senior on senior day scores. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. BYU has finished its home season at 4-2, and two, giving the Cougs their first winning home record since Kalani Sitake's first season in 2016. BYU one more win away from locking down a third winning season overall in four years. And the next chance for that win comes Saturday at UMass. Uh, visiting with BYU OC Jeff Grimes. And, uh, well, UMass has trouble stopping folks. Uh, Coach Grimes, they allow 50-plus uh, points per game this year. Yeah, you know, I wanted to mention something that, that, that you brought up right there, us having a winning record at home. Yeah. One of our goals that, that Kalani mentioned at the beginning of the season was to pre- protect Lavelle's house. And that's something that, that we didn't do very well last year. And so we won some big games here at home this year. And I think we... Um, maybe change the narrative a little bit about what it means for us to play at home right now. And I think we've got, I hope anyway, we've got the fans behind us a little bit more at home and our players seem to gain more confidence playing at home than we had last year. And so I think that's a real positive. And a brief follow-up on that, uh, BYU's now been four or two or better, a winning record or better, in 12 of the last 14 seasons here in Provo. Yeah, and that's the way it should yeah, be, yeah. right? Home field should be a home field advantage, and for whatever reason, it, it wasn't that way for us last year. So good to get back to our winning ways here in front of our own fans. Uh, so, yeah, UMass, another opportunity for us to get better. And um, uh, certainly they haven't had the best of seasons, but... Look, every college football team has good players on that team or they wouldn't be there on scholarship. And so it'll be a challenge for us to focus on ourselves. And that's uh, what we've really tried to do here in the past month is really just focus on ourselves, getting better at our game every week. It's a team you played last year back at uh, back in Foxborough, Gillette Stadium. And uh, a lot of those players are certainly back, but one thing that's changed is the coaching staff. And there's a whole new regime in trying to get some things done. What's the, the challenge that way for them? Yeah, so it's, you know, sometimes when you, as we've done several times this year, you play a team that you know a little bit more about. You have an idea of what to expect on defense. Really, this year, it's a, it's a completely new um, scheme and, and new structure. So we're, um, and we're a new team. So we're starting from scratch with the game plan, but we'll have a great one ready to go. Okay, you just played a game against a lesser competition, FCS. You maybe weren't as sharp as you'd like to be in all areas. So was last week's game maybe a good teaching point, illustrator of what needs to maybe tighten up uh, this time around? Yeah, it definitely is. And, and um, 
really I felt like we haven't played as clean as we can the last couple of weeks. We need to hold on to the football and do a better job not giving the other team the ball, and then we need to reduce the penalties, particularly the pre-snap penalties. And so if we just do those things, if we had done those things on Saturday, the score would have been different and the field would have been different. Obviously, we're glad to uh, to, to have a win. Um, and I give Idaho State credit. They came in with a good game plan and played hard and made things hard on us. Um, but we need to play clean. And um, and if we can do that and if we can be more consistent, um, then, then we'll have a heck of a season uh, when we finish this one out. Idaho State's head coach and coaching staff, uh, by the way, very impressed with how the game ended. Uh, you guys had a first and goal from the one, I think, after Keanu's catch and said that's enough. You kneeled it out, and that left an impression on them. Yeah, first-class move by Kalani. Certainly not my call. <laughs> I'm always wanting more points, right? <laughs> um, but in those moments where Kalani says, hey, I think we need to think about taking a knee here, I usually just kind of get quiet and, and let him have the opportunity to make that call because if left to me, I want to score as many times as we get the chance. Um, but I think it was the right call, and, and um, certainly if you can do something that's a positive for, for someone else, then, then that's more than... Uh, adding to your uh, points per game total, maybe. Keanu, by the way, was really close to getting in. What a great! I thought it was a good day for Keanu in, in the time he got out there. It was, and he, he kind of shows hints, right, of what he's going to be. Absolutely, he's a guy that we have felt good about um, since the day he got on campus. Um, you know, played for an offense in high school that doesn't throw the ball very much. One of those guys that I feel like was under recruited because of that. But his combination of size, hands, athleticism, I think is uh, is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be really impressed with the rest of this season and especially next year. And we look forward to what's to come. Uh, social media question before we let you get out of here from Zach Lovell. Uh, for Coach Grimes, Coach, what would you suggest to do to get into coaching? Hmm. What was it for you? Well, for me, it, it was um, it was starting at the bo- at the bottom, coaching high school football, and then um, from there uh, was a grad assistant at a couple of a couple of different places. Got my master's degree, and then I coached Division three football. So, like most guys, I worked my way up through the ranks, and so it was two, five, seven years. It was my eighth year of coaching before I was before I had an opportunity to be a Division One coach. And so I think in most cases, um, that's what you have to do. you got to start at the bottom, uh, make some connections, um, earn a reputation, and uh, go to work. Grad assistants aren't getting rich, are they? <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, but what a great opportunity for me to learn and, and build some connections in the business. Got to start there. Well, uh, Coach, this is your last coordinator's corner appearance of this season. It'll be, uh, it'll be Coach Lamb and Coach Tuiaki next week, then we're off to the postseason. So thank you for another great year of conversations on Monday. I've always appreciated it. It's been my pleasure, Greg. Thanks. All right, thank you. Thank you, Jeff Grimes. All right, BYU TV getting you set for the Cougars and Minutemen of UMass this Saturday. Watch Countdown to Kickoff Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. The game on BYU Radio with postgame coverage on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up next, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb joining us in the coordinator's corner. Live on Studio C here at BYU TV. Stay with us. We are back with more right after this. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We begin our second half hour of the show by saying hello to special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Hello, Ed. 
Hey, Greg. So the news of the day, news of the hour, is the uh, contract extension for head coach Kalani Sitake through the 2023 season. So, uh, well, just great news for Kalani, uh, the staff, the program. Yeah, I think everybody can share in the excitement of it. Uh, uh, players and coaches feel, I think, uh, uh, feel pride, if we're allowed to, about uh, about. Uh, setting the table for that. And I, I think uh, administrators as well. I think um, Tom Homo knew exactly what he was hiring and, and what he was looking for when he hired Kalani and knew there would be a learning curve. And, and there have been, I think, uh, enough uh, setbacks and breakthroughs and successes that, um, you know, I've seen on a personal level, seen Kalani just grow so much. And I think that, uh, you know, well-deserved, well-earned and good for BYU football moving forward. It's clearly a reflection of, uh, of four seasons of hard work and a lot of commitment on Kalani's part to the program over the years. It's also, I think, a reflection of what's happened really just in the last number of weeks, though, too, isn't it, of where you've been to where you are? I think so. Uh, this season in particular, and, and I think the more seasons he's at the helm, then, then the more he'll grow. But I think this, this season in particular, what I've seen Kalani do is take uh, more and more leadership. And some of that comes, I think, um, from confidence and confidence in a role that he's been playing a long time. Others of it comes sometimes from setbacks and frustrations. But uh, in, in my opinion, he's done his finest job here in the last uh, several weeks. Uh, what's, uh, what makes Kalani the right guy for BYU the way you see it? Um, I, I think, uh, number one, he has a, a humility that I think is right for BYU. Um, as I said, I, you know, I've, I've spoken with Tom and, and have known Kalani forever. I think Tom knew exactly the type of guy he was looking for and, and zeroed in on Kalani early uh, for his personal, uh, personal qualities, and that's what Kalani possesses. And so he's, as I said, he's grown in the role. Um, I think there, there may have been guys out there that were uh, more experienced and, and maybe would have been right for the first few weeks of the job, but the time that, that uh, Kalani has spent here, he's made use of every day, uh, worked his tail off to get where he is now, and the, and the players have responded well, and I think he's got a long runway out in front of him. And from that perspective, um, you know, smart hire, um, intelligent, uh, Kalani Sataki, intelligent uh, person who's still young at heart, very passionate, mm. and those are tremendous qualities for any leader. Yeah, you mentioned two words there that can go together, humility and passion. He's got them both. He does, yeah, he's got them both, and, and uh, I think sets the tempo for our whole team. And the more he's become comfortable in his, in his role himself, I think the more we're seeing his true personality come out, and the players have responded really well to that, and, and the staff as well. We're all behind him. Lavelle is legendary, and this is not meant to, to, to draw a direct comparison saying one is the other, but I want to bring this up. Uh, Kalani will be coaching his 50th game this Saturday at UMass. If BYU wins the game, that'll be 27 wins in 50 games. Lavelle had 28 in 50 games. The only point, the only point being, the legend, you know, it took a while to get it kind of really, really rolling, and it was, an, it, was, it was success, and then it kind of really picked up. Sometimes it takes a little while, and he's off to a pretty good start, Kalani, that is. I think the you know the people might say right away the analogy doesn't hold true because of the the great foundation that we inherited that Kalani inherited which is BYU football and, and there's there's truth to that but I think I think where the analogy um, does resonate with me is that um, as I said Kalani and Tom and and hopefully BYU um, knew what they were getting into when they hired Kalani and it was about his growth potential and the runway that would be out in front of him and and I think we're just starting to realize some of that. And I think, um, you know, the patience that's been shown by the fans who are still with us and still showing up for games and, and are still excited about where we can be in the future, 
you know, that, that's paying off for them just at the very beginning stages right now. Well, Kalani did say once upon a time, just somewhat tongue-in-cheek, he'd like to be the Polynesian Lavelle, so maybe we're off and running on that. Who knows? Uh, well, it was the annual FCS game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this past week. Idaho State in town, uh, BYU 42-10 winner. Uh, third highest margin of victory in the Sitake era. What did you take out of the performance uh, overall? I think, you know, any win is, is a, a good win, and, and um, there, are, there are victories and losses where we feel like we could have played better, and certainly this was, this was like uh, many of those games. Where we've got a lot of work to do. I think there were areas where um, Idaho State's performance and challenge against us may, will make us better moving forward. We've got a long list of things to accomplish at today's practice, which is, and Monday is usually the day where we put the previous game to rest. So it's, it's what we call corrections. And there are, there are a myriad of corrections to be made and changes in course. And, uh, and you know, credit Idaho State, too. These are, if you go and look, research any of their players, these are scholarship players, too, who are the very best players at their high schools and, and very capable. And I thought they showed up and played one of their best games of the season. So I credit them and their, their coaching staff. Now, you and many of the BYU coaches uh, have all spent time at the FCS level. Uh, so from both perspectives, now as an FBS and formerly FCS, how do players and coaches generally approach these games? You know, I think uh, you, you get the, from the FBS side, the, the true maturity of a team comes out. And we do have some fantastic seniors, but we also have a very young team. And um, I told our players earlier in the week, you know, we, we get it. We understand that when you sign with us, when you make your commitment to BYU, oftentimes what comes up is the schedule. And even certain teams on the upcoming schedules, players and their parents will point to when they choose BYU. And, and a lot of times that's not the FCS teams that, that we're playing. I mean, let, we can be real about mm-hmm. that. But... Um, you know, at, at the same time, I think that their um, the competitive nature of the team needs to come out through the game, and we're generally going to get the FCS opponent's very best effort. That's going to be one of their their biggest games of the year. So to respond to that, to come out with a victory, and still be humble enough to figure out where we can get better, I think that just makes us a better team going forward. Uh, BYU's defense had a new starting corner in this game. Chris Wilcox was back. And uh, he'll play in the four-game eligibility window now to end the season. Same deal for Troy Warner, who saw his first action of the season on Saturday as well. Yeah, fantastic to have those guys back. And they've been working toward that. Well, they've been working toward that for uh, months and months. But, yeah. uh, but they've actually been practicing in a, in a full-speed manner um, for, oh, about two weeks now, each of them. And so um, they, they probably could have played the week before, but it was just about making sure what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for the team. But clearly those, having those guys back on the field is, is great for BYU football, great for BYU defense, and, and great for our depth in the defensive backfield. It had been a while since BYU had a pick six on defense. Uh, last happened against Utah State back in 2017. Micah Hanneman, I think, is who it was then. Happened on the, in the first quarter on Saturday. And on senior day, it was the senior uh, Austin Lee taking it in. That's right. Yeah, a couple of seniors combining on the play. Chris Wilcox had the tip um, on a – and that RPO skinny post is something that Chris's freshman year he, he struggled with and gave up a few big plays. So great to see him back and doing his thing. And then, and then Austin's just right there on the spot. What an athletic play. He makes the catch and steps over Chris yeah. and then follows his blockers out front all the way into the end zone. Uh, Austin's had a, an amazing career here. We're going to miss not just his play, but, but his daily leadership, what he brings to BYU football. Defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki naming Austin Lee as his defensive player of the game. He ends up as your leading tackler, had a TFL, the pick, of course, and he got picked last week at a play in the Shrine Bowl in January as well. Oh, fantastic. I did not know that. Yeah. That's news to me and, and uh, well-earned on his part. They'll be really happy to have him on the team. So uh, 
There's a look at uh, Austin Lee's defensive numbers on the day. And again, the first pick six for him and the first for BYU in a couple of years. Idaho State came in without their leading rusher, uh, Ty Flanagan. He had around 900 yards rushing on the year. But his replacement, kid named Malachi Rango, good runner. He had 142 on the day, including the longest run allowed by BYU this season, 54-yard touchdown. Now, granted, that comes later in the game. You're playing a lot of different guys at that point. But it was a good run. It was, a, it was an excellent run, and, and those guys that we're playing are good players that we believe in. They're not at the top of the depth chart right now, and, and uh, some of those guys came in there and learned some things, but credit Malachi and Idaho State for teaching them some things too, so a lot to be learned. 28-3 BYU lead at halftime, so you're going to win the game. Uh, what were the defensive coaches and players kind of using for juice maybe in the second half at that point? I think that's a great question. I, I think it's always the same. You know, we, we try to tone down the rhetoric a little bit when we can sense that our players are up for a game because some team has won so many games or a national championship in the past. I mean, we want it to be about our players performing the very best they can. And it's nice when we can tie into some extrinsic motivation, but really it's about what comes from within. And, and that's what we, we wanted our team to do at halftime is come back out and play the very best they could play as individuals and, and as teammates. Shutout would have been nice after halftime, but they popped that one run, obviously. They did, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we chased we chased the shutout, and that's important to the players. But uh, you know, at the same time, it's really critical for us to to show confidence in the guys that are that are down on the depth chart, don't get a lot of opportunities to play, and those players in coming years will be key critical components for us as we try to be continue winning and going to bowl games in, in the next few years. Okay, break time coming up. The Cougs finish out their uh, home season on Senior Day with a lot of seniors getting a solid send off. We'll look at some more players of the game as well from Saturday as the Coordinator's Corner continues here on BYU TV. The BYU TV Sports Countdown to Kickoff. BYU at UMass. Saturday, November 23rd, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. We're all in on BYU TV. So punting away, high snap. Almost into his wall, it's blocked. He kicked it into the wall, the ball is loose. And covered by BYU at the 25-yard line. First and 10, Cougs. Back on the coordinator's corner, we visit with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, BYU 42-10 home winner over Idaho State in the Cougs' home finale this past Saturday. And the play bringing us back from break was BYU's first block punt in three years. Ed, can you tell us how and why it happened? Uh, well, it, on that particular play, the punter overstrided just a little bit, and Kyle took advantage of it. But it was it was part of the the scheme as well. AJ Stewart, uh, he provides the the leadership. He's the main coach on our punt return, and uh, he designs it up every week, coaches the guys up, and he wanted to make sure that we had enough pressure at the shield that if we had that opportunity, that we'd be able to to blow it back into the punter if he overstrided. So. We had a return set up on that particular one. It's nice to have at least one guy rushing, and that's what happened. And then Kyle, he earned our top rock of the week. He usually goes to a coverage player. That's where most of the collisions happen, but that was a great collision right there and a huge play in the game. We'll get to more on him in a bit, and the Kyle in this case is Kyle Griffiths, right? That's right. Yeah. And what does Kyle do for you besides this on the team? Well, Kyle, Kyle's one of our uh, most tenacious blockers on offense. He, he really, uh, we don't, we don't feature a lot of, uh, you know, tight end and fullback blocking right now in our offense. Mm-hmm. It's just not the direction that we've gone. But he does a great job in practice every day. He's a real uh, battler and uh, makes our defense better every day. And he's a guy that fills in wherever we need. He's on the coverage teams, the return teams, and he's just, he's just. Deadly serious about being the best BYU football player he can be. Right on. Uh, Noah Levahifo in return game on Saturday. Nolopini Katoa in return game on Saturday. Both guys were hurt, and Leva in kind of unconventional fashion. 
Yeah, he was just uh, just in some kind of a freak uh, accident in the pregame. He, he'll be fine going forward, it looks like, and, and we'll have him here this week. But, uh, yeah, just um, landed on his shoulder the wrong way and, and took him out of game action. So Dax Milne, nice job on punt return. They had five for 57. And as always, it's a unit effort to get those yards. But that said, Dax did some nice work on his own Saturday as well. Yep, it's a good way to say it. Uh, we needed the returner to do a little bit of work on their own. And that's generally the case is to make one guy miss. And, and we were in a sideline return scheme. And um, Coach Stewart felt like we, ha- we would have the opportunity, if we could get the edge, that there would be more once we made the first guy miss. And, and that happened a few times. Dax did a good job of actually getting better during the game and finding that edge. I think without uh, Lopini, you went with uh, Sione along with Tyler Algier back at kickoff, wasn't that right? That's right. Okay. Uh, Jake Oldroyd missed his only field goal try. Uh, he's been kind of, well, hit and miss after a really strong start to the year. How would you kind of say he's, he's doing right now? I think I think he would, you know, in talking to him, he would say he's he's in a slump right now. Just the the results. I mean, it it, do, it hasn't really shown up in practice much. It's not showing up in the trajectories of his kick. I mean, that kick right there, for example, came off his foot really nicely in terms of the pop. It had great hang uh, or great height on it. Operation time is good. It just he has maybe had some bad luck, but it's something that it, you know generally. I think sometimes from the outside looking in, sometimes we, we're trying to diagnose a problem and think it's one thing, you know, his approach or the snap or the hold or his, you know, mentally where he's at. It's usually a combination of all of those things. And so we'll continue to, to try to um, help him in all areas and provide competition. We know Skyler mm, South is yep. capable of providing good competition, and those guys have made each other better and will continue to do so. Are there kickers who are hash preference guys, and is Jake one of those guys? Um, yes, I, I think I think there are. I think generally his his preference is going to be the left hash. Most right right footed kickers are going to prefer the left hash. Their ball will have a, a little natural hook uh, to it, draw, if you will. Mm-hmm. And both of our kickers actually prefer the uh, left hash. Um, and you know that one just didn't come back for him. Okay, uh, scrum formation returns for a third quarter touchdown in this one. And we wondered uh, when Kyrus Tonga would get the ball, and he got it twice uh, after an Idaho State penalty set you up with that first and goal from the three yard line. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun right there. That's our one of the uh, one of the transitions we made on the scrum. You can see the excellent push here. One of the transitions we've made over the course of the year is to have our offensive line in there now. We used to bring in some some of the backup offensive linemen, but. Um, as we've had some injuries to that position and just it's become a little more of, of something that we do in every game or are ready to do, we felt like having a starting offensive lineman in there would, would be the best opportunity. Kyrus fought his tail off there to get into the end zone. And yeah, good luck trying to pull him back, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of guys <laughs> trying to pull him back, not going to happen. So Kyrus is not a senior, but it will, uh, you know, there's a chance you know, he could look at next level. Um, either way, his teammates celebrated uh, Kyrus' TD uh, animatedly. Uh, and maybe a little too animatedly because you got a celebration. BYU got a celebration penalty on yeah, it. Too much celebration uh, right there. With with you see, there's a helmet off, and that's the problem. Is yeah. you know, generally the officials give you the benefit of the doubt. They think you might be on the PAT team if you come running onto the field. But uh, we had too many players run onto the field, and then one of them with the helmet off. He was the one who was actually tagged with the penalty. And not a smart situation. Put us uh, put us kicking from our own 20 yard line, which is never a good situation. So we, one of those things I alluded to. We have to learn. Time will tell, uh, but because of his age and how long he's been out, uh, Kyrus is somebody that people think could be uh, someone who looks to the NFL draft this next year. If that were to happen, what would make Kyrus uh, someone that the NFL should really look seriously at? Um, you know, just the, in the NFL, it's really number one. It's ta- it's intangibles. It's it's the tangibles. Excuse me. It's it's height, weight, speed, strength, size. He has all of those, and and then uh, from there, it's about. You know, how much, how committed that player is to football, and what I've seen from Kyrus during his time here is that his his learned approach 
to make the game uh, more a part of his life is what's made him better and better. And I think that from that perspective, he's a great take for an NFL club because he'll last a long time because football is really important to him now. Being a great teammate, being a student of the game, being the best player he can be, those things are, are critically important to his makeup. You couldn't blame him, but you'd hate to lose him, right, at this point? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, uh, we, we look at it, I think, in a healthy way, which is you know, our job is to prepare the players to be the very best they can be and uh, whatever opportunities they have inside and outside of football, when, when football here at BYU, when they feel like it's time to move on, then we need to be supportive of that. And if, if the question comes to us, Coach, am I ready? Should I do this? Then we have to give them an honest assessment. And, um, and you know, that, that he's, he's had those conversations with, with coaches that he works more closely with, Ituyaki mm-hmm. and, and uh, Kalani. And, and I, I think he feels like, you know, this, this might be something to consider here when the season yeah. is over. Gotcha. All right, to your special teams, uh, players of the game. There are players from the Idaho State game. We go top rock and we go top block. And we've got, I think, all told, three guys to take a look at today. Yeah, we, uh, we named, as we talked about earlier, Kyle Griffiths for his uh, punt, uh, punt block. That was a huge play in the game. He, he got the top rock. Uriah Leitawa did a great job on, on the kickoff returns, and we, and we sparked some decent field position at our kickoff returns. He was a big part of that. And Sam Baldwin, uh, after uh, over 1,100 days of rehab on a blown knee, um, he finally returned to a game. Uh, on senior day. He was, yeah, on senior day. He <laughs> made a tackle on kickoff. And mm. there's no better example for our team of uh, how to come back from injury and stay in there and hang in there and do everything you can. He's been a great teammate to every, every one of our players, and, and he was making tackles on kickoff 1,100 days ago, and he <laughs> came back in his one opportunity and did it uh, this past Saturday as well. Cool story. Kudos to those guys. Time for a final break now. As we step away, uh, this reminder that uh, for your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up on our final segment, Coach Lamb helping us look ahead to UMass and talk about BYU's postseason plans. Back with more next. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys, Bailey's Moving and Storage, more than just a move, Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. In our final segment of the Coordinator's Corner, live from Studio C at BYU-TV, BYU on the road for its final two games of the regular season, starting Saturday at UMass. Then looking ahead now with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. UMass 1-10 on the season, 114th in scoring defense, uh, or rather 130th in scoring defense, and a distant, uh, well, distant 130th, let's put it that way. UMass allowing an average of 52.4 uh, points per game. It's been a rough year, to say the least. Uh, they've got a, yeah, we've got a, a brand new head coach in his first year, and have had a lot of injuries this year that have hurt them. And, and uh, yeah, they're they're it's hard to say it any other way. They're a program right now that's struggling. That's when a team can be dangerous. And as I said, it's more about us being the best we can be. Now uh, you faced a lot of these uh, same players last year. Recollections of that game, really quickly, the one you played out there at, at Foxborough. Yeah, well, the uh, I think from the players' standpoint, they had to toughen up because it was cold. Yeah. The humidity in the winter is not something our players are are familiar with. So, 40 degrees and and uh, 50, 60 percent humidity is a lot different than yeah. what we're used to dealing with here. But uh, that was a game where I think our our guys really stepped up, played well in all three phases of the game, uh, shut down one of the best receivers in the country, um, or at least held him in in check, and were able to come away with a pretty comfortable win. Okay, quick word now about uh, going back there, knowing you're bowl eligible and bowl invited and bowl accepted. The Hawaii Bowl is happening for BYU. 
Yeah, um, I think to to celebrate and and uh, kind of put that in the rearview mirror now, and then and then move on to um, trying uh, as best we can to get victory number seven. That's the goal, and and that's the motivation. But certainly, uh, if it comes to trajectory, BYU is on, a, on a, in a good place, and this kind of is another indication of that, right? I think so. Yes, um, I think w- when we hit our third win, I, we, you know, in football, we always, you know, it's pretty. Pretty general statement. Getting that third victory usually takes some some come from behind, some toughness, some getting battle hardened, and being able to sustain uh, a winning effort through through a long period of time, almost a month. And uh, after the third one, typically teams can start to get on a roll. I feel like we're on a roll now, but uh, you know we'll find out how we prepare. Okay, Ed. Good luck this week. Good to be with you again. Thanks, Greg. All right, that'll wrap another edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Next week on our regular season finale, coaches Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki. For coaches Lamb and Grimes today, I'm Greg Grubel. We'll see you next Monday right here in the Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV. So long. Go Cougs.